2: Jackie, welcome to the show. It's great to have you here. You are looking very relaxed there, which is uh which is a <laughs> a good way to see. Some some of our guests have looked a little stressed and harassed so far in this this uh, sort of lockdown, but you're looking like you're handling it well.
3: Yeah, I am. I'm I'm doing well. I'm in the country, so I, I escaped the city. So dealing with lockdown in in the country at the moment, but the homeschooling has been a bit of a challenge, but um luckily I'm sort of divorced, so I have I'm actually on my kid week off. (laughs) Uh, How old (laughs) old are are the kids? I've got nearly 15-year-old daughter and a 10-year-old son.
2: Yeah, I have 13 and 11. 13-year-old daughter, 11-year-old son. And its I'll tell you, even though I'm on my own in this studio, it's actually quite nice to be on my own for the first time in some time and not have a problem with the computer or some child scream at me about providing some sort of more food for them or whatever it be. So I know the pain.
3: Good Judy or mum, I can't print, or mum,
2: I yep. need this. <laughs> I know. I actually asked my daughter for a tip the other day. I'd been up there that many times with that many different plates of food. I said, you wouldn't mind a tip at the end of the day. <laughs> <laughs> but let's talk about, um, before we get on to you, let's talk about a little bit of vice intelligence to sort of sort of frame. So can, why don't you tell our audience uh, about the, the current business and, and what it is and where it's sort of at, where it's at from a business life cycle?
3: Yeah, so um, Advice Intelligence is a fintech company. Uh, What we are is a financial planning technology platform. Uh, We're not in the traditional sense of financial planning. We're really transforming financial planning into something that's digital, interactive, can be done live in front of a client, and then the actual client can have their own app that's tracking to their life aspirations and goals, all the strategies, their cash flow, all their investments, all of that is tracking to a digital financial plan that's um, app based. So we're really transforming the whole financial services industry into this next decade of digital financial advice. Um, you know, traditionally, if you saw a financial advisor, you go, uh, you have a conversation, they whiteboard a whole bunch of complex jargon that, mm-hmm. you know, most people don't even can even make sense of and then they give them an 80-page document and say here's your financial plan and then it you know most people don't read it goes into a drawer you know they don't ever look at it again. Yep. And so yep. we wanted to transform that into something that's live and with them and um digital and in you know smarter than you know a, a 105 BC technology which is paper. Uh <laughs> so we're transforming financial advice into something that's much more interactive.
2: It, which is awesome. And I I remember when we first spoke which was probably about a year ago um I was like, oh, this is what I need because I am one of those people. I have a numerous financial plans in the bottom drawer. Um, I yeah. really should throw them out. And, and the ones that I have implemented, I've signed away waivers to say that it's not their fault if it doesn't work and then implemented something I didn't understand. So yeah, look, yeah. it's very much needed. And where where's the business up to you? Have you launched yet? Is the app out there? Whereabouts are we? Whereabouts are you?
3: Yeah, so we recently launched. So we've spent the last five years building the technology because it's a very, very complex um, platform. So um, my team have had a very massive challenge to take my vision and turn that into maths and code. So I've got a team of actuaries, very intelligent software engineers behind the technology platform. Um, So the business is basically launched um, sort of eight months ago Uh, we've still got a lot of features that we're building, um, as part of that. Um, but it's basically been five years in the making. It's, you know, had significant investment into it. Uh, and yeah, we're, we're on a journey to really transform financial advice and, um, yeah, it's, it's going to take a few more years, especially as we move into the realm of, um, machine learning and apply machine learning to the industry. Uh, but we're on that journey, and you know it's going to take a few years before we get
2: there. Yeah, it's it's a hell of a case for perseverance and resilience. Five years pre-launch, and yeah. it's you know it's not just been you doing it on the side while you're doing other jobs. That's been full-on working away. It's it's incredible. I think I remember when you told me that for uh, the first time, I was like, wow, that's that's a that's a long time to build something before you launch it. It's it's an incredible. Um, it did you find that that would have been a little bit of a challenge with some people I would have thought that they're kind of building something that's not live for such a long period of time. It must be amazing to have now launched.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, from the even the market perspective of um, the the length of time it's taken us to get out there because you know, the financial advisors and in the industry have been desperate for new technology that was going to help them to create more sustainable businesses because they've been hit with a Royal Commission. Yeah. We've had um, the cost of advice increase, like, drastically because of compliance, um, their ability to lower their cost to serve advice and their ability to be far more efficient and deliver a better customer experience. Uh, Because the customer experience around financial advice is pretty poor. It's, you know, there's nothing digital that's really supporting an advisor and helping them do their job. So, yeah, five years is is a a long time and a long time for people to wait for, um, you know, technology. And the market has been, you know, we've we've had a lot of credibility issues around that. That has, you know, been a bit of a challenge. But we've had to overcome that. And we've delivered now. So we've proven the technology because it's a lot of trial and error. You're you're doing a lot of prototyping. You're building something that's never been built anywhere in the world. And Mm -hmm. Australia is a a perfect market because we have such complex tax and superannuation laws. So we were able to, you know, use this market as, you know, a very complex market for us to take this offshore in the future. So um, and also our industry is much more mature from a regulatory perspective because we've had so much fiduciary duty around um the industry so we've had to adapt the technology for that um, and make it sure it's compliant and that's all built in and you know behind the customer experience all that compliance aspects so yeah it's it's been a huge undertaking (laughs) and it's had a lot of challenges it's it's certainly from the funding perspective has been like a challenge because uh, it was self-funded by myself and my business partner yep. and we've invested um, 40 mil into the company. So it's, it's been quite a, a big a lot of <laughs> commitment money. from both of us. Uh, yeah. And now we're, we're in a, we're in a place now where we've now got one of the biggest investment managers in the country now behind us um, to help us to scale the business and continue to grow and redefine an industry.
2: Now that brings me perfectly to my next question. So thank you for that. Um, so I guess what I want to touch on now is yourself. You know, I guess it's always fascinating to know the founder's stories, you know, where they came from. And I don't think you and I have ever really talked about this because we've always been too busy talking about your growth and what we're looking for. <laughs> so I'm really excited to know. I, I'm intrigued to know your story, you know, where you came from and, and what compels you enough to want to invest, you know, significant amounts of money and time in in doing this? You know, where did that desire come from and and what were you up to beforehand?
3: Yeah, so um, I was running a wealth management firm. So I did that for 10 years. And prior to that, I was in um, telco and technology. So I wanted, like, having that technology background and kind of falling into running a, you know, investment uh, wealth management firm I kind of saw that this industry lacked a lot of innovation around technology, so I kind of embarked on, you know, getting out of wealth management and into the technology aspect. and And I had this vision around how I wanted to redefine um, the technology that I used within my business, and I wanted to create that for others. So I basically took a big risk and a big step out of that financial firm and into, you know, starting up my own tech company. Yeah. Um, So that was quite a big step. Um, And also personally I was going through a, you know, held divorce and having two young children. So that was (laughs) quite quite an emotionally and, you know, hard time as well as you know a lot of financial pressure as well because I was committing a lot to this. Yeah. Uh so yeah, that that um sort of start was um yeah it was it was challenging. Um and then yeah sorry I've just lost my train of thought no well, that's all right. look you sound like you sound like, <laughs> you sound like a lot
2: of founders you sound typically it it's interesting I noticed this there's a real trend when you get founders, they always take on so much at the same time, it, it, it's, yes. it, it, no one ever does it, you know, oh, you know what, I just, you know, I just come out of something, I have plenty of money and I was pretty relaxed, I didn't really know what to do, so I thought I'd have a crack at it. No, there's always this going on and this going on and there was financial pressure here and there was this, so I decided I'd start a business. It always seems, it's, it seems to be the trait of the founder, it's quite fascinating. I mean, you know, yeah. you've, you've been going now for sort of four or five years, tell me what's been the hardest thing for you so far, what's been the biggest challenge for you so far?
3: Yeah. So the biggest challenge has been um, around, certainly around being a female. Um, I mean, I'm in an industry that's male dominated. I'm in an industry that's financial services, which is mainly run by males and also technology. So if you look at Um, women founders of technology companies, there's only 14% of CEOs that are women in the U S that's 2% in Australia, which is pretty bad. Terrible. Um, and then if you look at the, like the VC world, 95% of male, um, running VC funds and same with private equity, 90%, uh, um, run by males. So if you then look at the actual amount of funds that go into women founders, it's less than 2.3% globally. Which is the, crazy. Women founders actually getting investment. So that's pretty bad. Um, so if you look at then, you know, myself being a woman founder and then getting investment, that's like a like statistically a zero point zero zero one percent chance of someone actually getting funding for their vision as a founder and starting their their business. So it's pretty challenging just being a female. <laughs>
2: Well, and your business is technology and finance, right? Whereas a lot of the female founders I know, it's often an e-commerce site. There seems to be quite a lot of female e-commerce. I don't know any other female founders in fintech. And we deal with a lot of fintechs. And I'm just trying to think through them now through my head. And I can't think of any. Um, so, yeah, you really you really yeah. did set the set the path for yourself to have, have some challenges ahead. But, yeah, here you are, right? Here you are. Launched absolutely, um,
3: and we're a female led like my CTO is female, yes, and my head of operations is female. So, the three of us are females running uh, yeah, probably the only female led fintech, probably think, pretty much in the world.
2: I think, I think, I reckon you might well be. And I remember, I remember that when we, first, when we first met as well. I was like, oh gosh, it's all women, that's unusual because that is unusual. Um, but yeah, look at what you're achieving. So, how exciting is that in itself? So what yeah, do you think, yeah, um, I'm
3: really drafted.
2: you know, you, you have succeeded in, in terms of those challenges we just talked about. What do you think was the biggest learning of that, you know, if there's other female founders out there who are sitting there thinking, oh, I want to start a fintech, but I'm not going to for whatever reason. You know, you've, you've been through this and, and as you said, it's been a big challenge. What's been your biggest learning out of doing that, that maybe you could pass on to, to someone else who might want to do that? It doesn't have to be a female founder, but that, that yeah. I think would be a really good, good topic.
3: Yeah, I think being very much personally aligned to um, what it is your higher purpose is because I think all of us have a higher purpose in life and I think being aligned to that helps, you know, that to flow. I think naivety has certainly played a big (laughs) role in in the unknowns of not knowing. You know, I thought, you know, we would have built this in two maybe three years, but I didn't think it was going to be a five-year, you know, time frame. So naivety definitely played (laughs) its role in the journey. But yeah, I think being really aligned to, you know, what it is personally you want to achieve in life um, and, you know, not being scared of, you know, putting yourself out there and having a big vision and backing yourself and never giving up because I never gave up. Once, well, I've had my moments.
2: We all do. <laughs> we
3: have, you know, it's quite an emotional roller coaster. You know, it's like, you know, the markets—you're up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down—and you've just got to continue to pick yourself up and keep going. So, yeah, I, I, I say, just do it.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, I think, I think you probably hit the nail on the head. You know, I'm—I've obviously had three businesses now, and, and the the only way to succeed is to to not stop. But yeah the ups yes. and downs are insane. And what's really yeah. puzzled me because I've now been doing this for about 18 years in terms of running my own companies, it never gets any easier. And I'm sure things in life are supposed to get easier as you get better, but it doesn't seem to. Um, so I think you've got to go into it with your eyes open and understand it's probably not going to get easier. So you might as well get used to the ups and downs right now because they're uh, they're not going away anytime soon.
3: Exactly. Um, you, each stage you just, you know, face with new challenges yep. or you know, new things that you have to deal with and you're constantly problem solving and,
2: yeah. They get bigger, you in fact. have remain
3: dynamic. And
2: I, I found that the, the ups it, and downs get that. bigger almost because yeah. the, the, the problems get get bigger, although maybe I don't think you get used to them. And I, I guess, how, how many staff are you now? I know we've recruited quite a few for you in the last sort of year, but how many are you now?
3: So we're 45 now. Yep. Um, so we'll continue to grow. Our biggest challenge actually at the moment is finding people, as you know.
2: As I well know. <laughs> <laughs> so,
3: yeah, and finding really good software engineers that, you know, That's they don't definitely pass the hardest. My,
2: That's, yeah, um, my head of
3: yeah. developments tests. None of them ever pass.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, I remember when you briefed me on that role, you said, oh, no one ever passes this test. I'm like, well, that doesn't sound like a great test. Um And I think, and obviously Carly manages your account and she's, I think she really loves working with you guys. She's doing a really good job, but she said, no one ever passed yeah. the test. I said, I know. <laughs>
3: Um, I know we only we only yeah, we hire the best of the best. And so yeah, we we have we need very smart engineers in our business because we have such complex subject matter, yeah. which is finance yeah. and you know complex financial modeling and code. Yeah. So it's quite yeah. unique.
2: So let's let's talk about the, that growth because you have grown quite a lot this year and you're continuing to grow and there's still quite a few roles. Um you know, we've had two lockdowns during this period. Um, you've obviously, as you mentioned, you've got an office in the city that's completely empty. How have you found maintaining the culture, and also because I'm sure you have hired some people during this lockdown or onboarded? How have yeah, you, have. yeah, yeah? How have you, how have you dealt with that? Because it's quite difficult, I think, for it. You know, I ask everybody this at the moment, and no one has a golden bullet in terms of an answer. How have you dealt with onboarding people that or, and hiring people that you potentially haven't actually really met?
3: Yeah, I mean, we've, we've got a bunch of people I still haven't met personally. Yep. <laughs> um, even the last lockdown, it was funny because my head of um, onboarding, um, when I hired her, And met her for the first time when she came into the office after we were, you know, let out of the last lockdown, (laughs) she walked into the office and she was like six foot two. And I was thinking that she was like five foot five. (laughs) It was just even the physical appearance. It was like, oh my God, you're so tall. (laughs) So... Yeah, it's been it has been challenging because you like to, you know, feel the energy of someone and, you know, be in the same room with someone, but we've had to just, you know, do it all over over Zoom and Teams and and we've just had to deal with it. Um but yeah, it's it's hard in terms of the training aspect. I mean, yes, we're in the cloud. Everything's virtual. We run everything off Slack, so we're quite collaborative. Yep. Um as, you know, a team, but it's really has been challenging in in onboarding people and getting them trained up and and yeah. not you know being able to sit with them face to face and you know help them sort of understand you know their role um it's it's it has been challenging but we've had to deal with it and, and get through it
2: yeah like i have to say i love slack i think slack we've got a, quite oh, a geographically a- diverse team and slack when i when we first brought it in, I was like, is this really going to work? How is it different to just texting or messaging or even Teams or anything? But I don't know. There's something about it. It just works really, really well. And people seem super comfortable using it. And I think it's it's a great tool, Slack.
3: Yeah, it's amazing. Um, I love it. Um, it's just amazing.
2: Now, you're down in the country at the moment, as you mentioned, Um, you haven't been the whole time, but is is there anything that you are now doing that you perhaps weren't doing before, like a new habit or something that's perhaps has come out of lockdown? Or is there any, and this is always an interesting one, is there any belief that you have that has changed since the pandemic came along? Because I know it has fundamentally changed the way job seekers are going about looking for their jobs and what's important to them. We see that across the board. The questions people ask us at the beginning of when we meet them now are very different to what they were two years ago. Um, it's far yeah. more about having an impact. It's far more about meaning and things like that, which people weren't as sort of attuned into before. What, what outside of work, how's it sort of, is there anything there that's changed for you?
3: Yeah, I mean, there's more balance. Um, I think, I mean, getting up in the morning, it's not that frantic got to get into the city, yep. drop kids off at school, you know, it's just yeah, that has, you know, really calmed down. I do enjoy that aspect of not having to just be in this, you know, complete craziness. Yep. Um also I'm a show jumper, so I've actually been able to do a lot more with Horses and yep. my training and show jumping, but I haven't been able to compete because all the um, shows are closed. But <laughs> but yeah, I've 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 had a lot more balance in my life um, personally, um, and more time to sort of you know reflect and and um, not be in the craziness of Sydney of just you know being on all the time. I've just been able to just step back a little bit.
2: Yeah, it's it's interesting. I think everyone's felt... that we, we don't live far away from the city, but we're kind of a little bit more... It feels a bit cut off being, being at home. And I found there's yeah. a lot more balance. But there are days where I also miss the craziness. There are days where I find my motivation isn't as high as it was because there's no craziness. Sometimes you need the craziness to get you going. But I think overall, I think it's a definitely... Um, there's a lot of healthier parts to it, even though there's a lot of obviously issues around mental health and things like that. But I agree. I think yeah, it's got a lot more balance, particularly when you've got kids. I think because you do, you're spending, I think any founder we've spoken to on this show has said if they've got kids, you're spending so much more time as a family, which you which you didn't do before because kids are so busy these days. So it's it's been interesting. They
3: are, especially the teenagers. Oh, my oh
2: daughter is. I know.
3: <laughs> so social. It's like, oh my God, she's had to really step back and. You know, it's, and being in the country, she doesn't love the country, (laughs) but she's had to just deal with it.
2: (laughs) Well, I like the fact that now when I drive them, at least it's not far, you know, it can't be further than 5K. So if I am driving them somewhere, it's not, you know, miles anymore. So there's a lot less driving going on. That's good. Totally. (laughs) Now, I'm... One of the questions that if I forget to ask, we often get comments when we release it, and it's about, and I have, there's a couple of ones I've filmed yesterday that I forgot to ask. So I know the audience are gonna, gonna berate me for it, but people always want to know about books or podcasts. And I think people are always, particularly now, they've got time and they want to read or they, There's so much stuff out there. People look for recommendations. Are there any that you have found particularly good, um, whether it be a book or a podcast or both, it doesn't matter, that you think that might be good for a fairly wide audience?
3: Yeah, um so there's a couple uh and they do relate to sort of what I do as well. Yep. So um I've got a uh, one that's um Love Money, Money Loves You. It's by Sarah McCrum. And it's a woman that I actually connected with and have had conversations with, but she um because money and behavior and your relationship with money is all behavioral based and values based and you know human behavior is an aspect of our technology because we like to understand you know the um the blockers and the behaviors and the belief systems around money that might be blocking someone from achieving their life aspirations and their goals or the way in which they have a relationship with money or or manage money so because like I'm transforming an industry into, you know, looking at that aspect and getting advisors to look at the soft skills of, of how you deal with human behavior as part of a financial advice process. So Sarah has this book and it's all around the relationship that you have with money and how you, money is energy and how you have an energetic relationship with money. You know, what you think and believe and what you have is your patterns is how you actually attract money so it's actually quite a it's a really good book about you know the relationship that mm. you have with money so if anyone's having challenges with you know finances it's a it's a great book um to listen to um the other one um that i am listening to at the moment is economics for the common good yep. um i believe that you know we have to transform our whole economic policy and economic systems to have more people, planet and profit, um, as measures of our economic system. So that book is, it's pretty huge. Um, yeah. and yeah, it, it goes into the details of that and how we really need to transform our economic systems into, you know, having more measures around, you know, people and planet. Otherwise we're not going to have a planet to have an economy in. So, yes, that, that <laughs> so would yeah, be... they're, they're the couple that I'm, I'm, um, listening to at the moment, because I, I listen to books. I, I've, I haven't read much at the moment, but uh, audiobooks is what I'm I'm into at the moment.
2: I alternate between the two. I go through periods where I just love audiobooks. I just love them. And then suddenly, for some reason, I don't know, I just I stop listening. I can't listen to them. I, I find it's not going in, and then I'll pick a book up, and I'll read it, and then I'll switch back again. I don't know. Maybe my brain gets tired with one form of, maybe I should try doing both, but... Yeah, I like audio books. I have to say, I think it's a, it's a good way. It do, I think it, some reason it goes in more. I feel I don't know why.
3: Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, but that also is your like your learning style because we're either auditory, visual, or kinesthetic. We um, have different learning styles. So some people more auditory, and some people need to you know read. So it just comes down to your learning
2: style. Well, I'm massively dyslexic, so that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> so. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, absolutely.
2: <laughs> right now, important question, really important question, um, because uh, this is one of the reasons that we do the show, as you know, is, is so that we can help you connect with future people that might want to come and work with you. So if there are people out there that are thinking, well, oh, that sounds like a fascinating business or I'm a really strong engineer, I want to take that test, I'm going to be the first person to pass it or whatever they're thinking. Tell me in your, in your own words, why would someone want to come and work at Advice Intelligence?
3: Yeah, so I mean our business is very much around culture and we've developed, you know, a very startup mentality, even though we're not a startup, we've evolved past that. But we try to maintain that and be agile and open and collaborative. And yeah, so culture's a a big thing for us. The other aspect is everyone that works for advice intelligence is passionate about what we're doing, about our higher purpose, about our vision, they're personally aligned to it. And so if anyone's personally aligned to wanting to transform, you know, financial services industry into something that's going to help people have massive social impact and try and lift the socioeconomic um, situation of, of communities, that's what like, that's what we're trying to do making financial advice more accessible and more affordable to you know the greater Australians so if anyone's aligned to that purpose has the experience around you know software engineering um, even in financial services in you know um, sales or or onboarding and and that sort of experience we're looking for people so come and um, knock on Nudge's door or my door
2: (laughs) (laughs) and just knock doesn't matter where you knock just let us know somehow
3: (laughs) we are we are desperate for people so uh yeah we want to grow the business and and we're in a position to you know grow the business and and we want really great people that you know they're not there to you know come just for a paycheck they're there because they're personally aligned to what we're trying to achieve so
2: yeah, and that's you know that's 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 what we love about working with companies like yours, and that's the whole point. It's it's just it's not about just getting a job. It's about finding something that you genuinely connect with, um, and hopefully exactly. this. This exact podcast will help people do that before they uh, before they come and meet you. So, Jackie, look, thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm so glad we got. I'm sorry it took so long to get you on. We were trying to work out a solution during this lockdown, and it was like this. This I think has worked really well. Um, uh, it's a shame we didn't get you in the studio, but maybe maybe when you IPO, we'll get you back in the studio or whatever those long term plans are. Who knows? But thank you so much yes. for coming on. Um, and I'm sure we will continue to talk regularly about your growth.
3: Excellent. Thanks so much, Steve. Appreciate your time.
2: Thanks, Jack.